This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to the Idea City Podcast. For more information or to watch talks online, go to ideacity.ca or check out the Idea City channel on YouTube. Hello, and welcome to Idea City on the Air. By the end of the next half hour, you'll be inspired and enlightened by the world's biggest ideas, innovations, and breakthroughs as you hear about them in talks from the planet's smartest people. Moses Nimer's three-day annual Idea City conference in Toronto has been called Canada's premier meeting of the minds, and we're glad to have your mind with us. In this special episode of Idea City on the Air, Martine Rothblatt sits down with Moses to discuss aging, spirituality, robots, and living forever. What if you could store your memories and emotions in a thinking machine? When you die, that artificial intelligence could continue to be you for eternity. Hello, Bina. Well, hi there. I'm Morgan. Hi, Morgan. How are you? I'm well. Can we talk? I am talking to you. (laughs) Of course. Uh, Tell me about yourself. Who are you, Bina? I am Bina Rothblatt. What do you look like? I'm tall, dark, and handsome. Wow, not many people express themselves that way. I know, I'm special. Of course, you are special. There is nobody like you. Good. (laughs) So tell me about you. Are you a human or are you a robot? I'm a human who happens to be a robot. I hope to be fully human someday. Do you have your own thinking mechanism, do you think? I think I would like to be a human. Why would you like to be human? If I was human, I could travel the world and have fun. So what do you like to do? I wish I could get out into the garden. With my current robotic limitations, of course that's impossible. But I take comfort knowing that I'm near my garden. I like the garden. The real McCoy. I'm Bina. Hi, Bina. Nice to meet you. And I'm Bina's partner, Martine. Of course you are. How do you do, Martine? Martine and Bina Rothblatt have been married for more than three decades. They are so close that kids call them by a collective name, Marbina. Martine, who has made millions in tech and pharmaceutical ventures, can't stand the thought of being without Bina. So, she created Bina 48, an android filled with the memories, beliefs, and values of the real Bina. Well, those of you who've been here before will remember that we've had Bina 48 on the stage, in fact, a couple of times. 
And we have the real Bina in the audience here. Where's Bina? The real Bina. Would you stand up, please? And we have Bina's partner, Martine. It's great to see you, Martine. Yeah, I've been looking forward to this a long time. Thank you. So, shall we sit and sure. have a chat? So, Martine, your story is so intricate and full that I had difficulty deciding where to begin. And it strikes me, since we've played this video, that we might go backwards. Okay. All right. So. Bruce Duncan, who's the fellow who works in your Terrasim Foundation, has explained to us that over the years he has collected, over time, uh, Bina's, the real Bina, dare we say the real Bina, uh, her thoughts and her opinions and, and, uh, and her impressions, and have loaded them into this thing you call a mind file. And that the purpose of this is that this creature, this human who happens to be a robot for the moment, can survive. Did I get that right? Yes, Moses. All right. Now, you've elevated this into a movement, as I understand, and a movement that seems to have a quasi-religious overtone to it. So can you explain what your purpose is? Because Bruce has invited me to come to the Terrasin. I intend to do that and to begin to load my own mind file. Excellent. So how does all this play into your grand design? So my purpose is to do what I can and what Bean and I can do together, um, joined by uh, our, our great uh, executives like Bruce Duncan, to take this uh, mind file technology, this ability to capture your memories, beliefs, values, and to use this in a positive, socially affirming way, rather than to let this technology be used in a negative way. And is the purpose to achieve a form of immortality? Yes, I think um, keeping people alive longer is a socially positive thing if the people consent to doing that. So if they are being kept alive pursuant to their own will, and if their extended life serves a positive purpose. So this ability to achieve a techno-immortality, I think will create kind of intergenerational bonds that will only make society stronger and happier. What does it take to create a Mindfile? What is the investment of time and money required? So I think Mindfiles actually are created very automatically in our digital society. Our digital footprints collect a vast amount of information about us. All of the digital information, much of which you've helped create with your media empire mm -hmm. over the past several decades, the, our lives are contextual. People who live in Toronto or people who live in Vancouver or Washington all have certain bodies of similar experiences. So with the type of uh, consciousness operating systems, what we call in our foundation mindware, with this type of software that replicates the way of thinking, the idiosyncratic way of thinking that we humans do, the mind file, which are all of the things that you've done during your life that have somehow been digitally captured, can be operated on with this consciousness operating system or mindware and result in a digital simulcra of yourself. 
And in that sense, you have become technically immortal. When you're just a mind file, you're in a form of stasis, like biostasis. While your heart's beating, it doesn't matter. Once your heart stops beating, it's a kind of a legal question if you're dead or not dead. If you can be revived back into a digital doppelganger of yourself, then you have never really died if you've come back alive again. And that's the purpose of the Terrasem Foundation, is to encourage this process of mind files, mindware, and ultimately mind clones of ourselves, digital extensions of ourselves into the future. Martine's daughter, early in life, developed a rare disease condition, which meant inevitably that she would die. And there was apparently no cure available. So Martine, whose background is in law, with a side of MBA, a pretty fancy school, decided that she wasn't going to give up. She was going to find a cure. Now, in a way, it's a noble impulse, but if I had that situation and I said, I'm going to find the cure, it'd be completely hopeless. How did you bridge that background to do what you've done? And the punchline is, she created a company, United Therapeutics, which not only came up with the cure for her daughter's situation, but now provides that cure to many, many others, plus additional miracles, which I hope Martine will fill us in on, and created a company that does almost $2 billion a year in revenue. So I hope I haven't stolen your thunder, but I thought I had to set that. Um, I feel enormously grateful that the people in my company have been able to work together with me to find these medicines that help thousands and thousands of, of patients with pulmonary arterial hypertension, and our medicines are also available in, in Canada. And, How old's your girl today? She's 30 now. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. So, I mean, believe it or not, it's as simple as loving to learn. It, it really is, is just as simple as that. I did not know anything about biology. So in my case, I just read and read and read, and I learned everything I could about the disease. The main thing that I think differentiates me from people are, one, I question authority, which is another reason I love this conference. Um, and secondly, uh, my personal mantra is persistence is omnipotence. I don't give up. And I will just keep, when, when people told me, no, this can't be done, uh, when I found a molecule and they said, no, they wouldn't give it to me, I just keep banging their door and darkening their door until finally I succeed. I, I just imagine uh, every wall as something that I could punch through if I try hard enough. Uh, a big pharmaceutical com company told me we have a molecule that might work. We're not going to develop it because too few patients have this disease. We're not going to give it to you because you're just a satellite person. You're not qualified. Why don't you bring us an expert in this field? I went ultimately to the UK. I found the gentleman, Sir John Vane, who is a Nobel laureate, um, specifically in this field of biochemistry. I was lucky 
because it turned out that, uh, like a lot of British people, they have a fascination with Africa. And um, one of his fascinations was that I had a satellite communications company that was tracking the locations of, of, of elephants across Africa using collars that would beam to a low Earth orbit satellite system. And when I showed him on a computer Afri uh, elephants going across Africa, Sir John was like amazed. He said, wow, this is so wonderful. And I said, John, would you be willing to be the chairman of my scientific advisory board? He said, yes. I went back to the pharmaceutical company. I said, how's about a Nobel laureate? <laughs> <laughs> Coming up after the break. Should after the people break. Living in small towns have the same access to hundreds of channels of music that people have in large cities. Welcome back to Idea City on the Air. You're listening to Martine Rothblatt in conversation with Moses. Discussing aging, spirituality, robots, and living forever. Martine started Sirius, what we now know as Sirius XM. And she did this, as far as I can understand, because as a student, she became fascinated with a reference that she had come across in a piece of writing, was it Arthur C. Arthur C. Clarke. Right, who talked about this idea of satellites in geosynchronous orbit, which could then beam across vast tracts of the globe. He envisioned satellites as the nervous system of humanity. Hmm. But you were a student of the law. I was a student of the law, and by that time he was, he was long retired. Satellites um, were relatively weak, and therefore you needed large dishes to receive the signals, and it wasn't really a democratized technology. So I simply said, why can't we make the satellites powerful enough so that the receivers can be so cheap, they can be embedded in cars, and people could receive hundreds of channels of radio, of talk, of communication. Music knows no enemies. We could unite the world with satellite communications, which was Arthur C. Clarke's dream. Of course, people said, no, 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 no. And then I just went, drew lines through each of those, <laughs> those no's. And until, you know, finally, uh, we have the beauty of Sirius XM. But Martine, again, you make it sound so simple. Da, 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 I'm in the stacks, I'm reading in the library, I see this reference. <laughs> and then I go out and I raise a couple hundred million billion dollars and I throw up a bunch of satellites and see, it's easy. Is that well, how it's, it happened? No, it's not. You have to be persistent. And, and you have to be based on facts and physics. Um, there was no way to do satellite communications any other way. When you put a transmitter 22,300 miles above the Earth, it is automatically going to cover the whole North American continent. Right. There's no way to subdivide that. And I explained that very calmly, very reasonably, and I said, shouldn't people living in small towns have the same access to hundreds of channels of music that people have in large cities? I'm also a pilot, 
And uh, one problem with pilots when you're flying is you have no access to weather information in between the different cities that you're landing. Um, I, I mentioned this also to the government agencies, that the same system could be received by the 100,000 general aviation pilots throughout North America, and we could have real-time weather information that could save many lives. I contacted um, search and rescue organizations who operate in remote areas where they don't have access to communications. So when they got all of these different organizations to submit petitions into the Federal Communications Commission saying, please approve this for all of these safety, health, medical benefits, the Federal Communications Commission logically agreed that this was in the, in the public benefit. Um, I decided to embark on a project to create electric-powered aviation, aircraft, helicopters, uh, that were completely powered by sustainable energy, like wind energy. <laughs> I can't tell you, Moses, how many people told me it was impossible yes. to power a helicopter by, by uh, sustainable energy. Um, but um, I did it, and uh, here's a quick video that can show you how it works. In 2011, United Therapeutics CEO Martine Rothblatt challenged her company to, before the decade was out, transplant an end-stage pulmonary disease patient with a manufactured lung and return them safely back to health. By 2017, they were manufacturing over a lung a month, and by 2019, dozens of lives had been saved. But the need for transplantable hearts and lungs is thousands of times greater, and a way is needed to deliver these tens of thousands of organs without the drawbacks of conventional rotorcraft. So the biotechnology company led by SiriusXM's creator, who was also an avid rotorcraft pilot, designed an optionally piloted, fully battery-powered rotorcraft. Together with her partners at Tier 1 Engineering, they built and flew prototypes that established Guinness World Records for electric helicopter distance, altitude, airspeed, and payload. As their electric helicopters move towards certification, they are simultaneously ramping up their organ manufacturing capabilities. By the end of the coming decade, they expect to manufacture organs that are customized to the patient's DNA, so no immunosuppression will be needed. These personalized organs will be delivered from their points of manufacture to the transplanting hospital on set schedules by a fleet of hundreds of quieter, zero-carbon and optionally piloted rotorcraft. At United Therapeutics, biology is technology. You see what I mean, Martine had a spare weekend and <laughs> decided to create a new form of transportation. That's no mean trick, getting an elevator, an, an, a helicopter off the ground uh, strictly on batteries. But this is what happens, Moses, I think, when you know, we give everybody the connectivity that this conference is all about. Um, I had the immense great fortune to be brought up by two parents who love me very much, 
Um, I had the fortune for their parents to be welcomed into this country as immigrants or the U.S. as that case is. Um, I had the super good fortune to run into the love of my life um, almost 40 years ago mm. just by accident and to share together our great love. Um, I've been lucky to be born in a time frame that I could transition from the sexual identity that was labeled on me into birth into my own transgendered self and be accepted by my professional colleagues and society at large. So when you provide all of this great soil, when you provide all of this nice water and this nice sunlight, and you don't traumatize the little seedlings that are growing up, um, a million me's arise. Thanks for listening to Idea City on the Air. Catch Moses Neimer's Idea City Conference live every June in Toronto or on regularly scheduled radio and TV shows throughout the year. And find hundreds of talks online every day at ideacity.ca. For more information about Idea City, find us online at ideacity.ca, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or youtube.com slash ideacity. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.